Hello and welcome to Films and Swearing. You're listening to episode... 208. 208. Yes, I'm just realising I'm talking over this music rather than doing like a normal intro. But ah. that's fine, this'll do. You're listening to our first Christmas episodes and today we're going to be talking about Die Hard. Alright, that's enough of the run DMC. Anymore, they could probably sue us. So, fucking Christmas time. I know. It's creeping up on us. Well, it's no. Tinsel is jizzed everywhere. Yeah. Except this is. This is very bare looking. (laughs) That's because they're fucking him. That cat, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a Jewish cat. You just offend him by putting stuff like that up. Oh, I should have got a fucking Hanukkah candle for him yesterday. Fuck. <laughs> fucking the wee cunt not get set on fire trying to play with it. <laughs> <laughs> then you just have Kane for a cat. Just going to be in a wee red, wee red suit with a mask on. <laughs> Before we get to Die Hard. Creed 2. Yeah. Why the fuck are we talking about Creed 2? Well, we went and saw Creed 2. So we're going to give you a little brief... Uh, our reactions, and uh, well, spoiler-free reactions. Yeah. Don't worry, we're not going to tell you who won the fight. So, now it's been a couple of days since we've saw it. What did you think, Mike? Yeah, I quite liked it. I was, obviously, when you got, I think it was the second? No, nah, I only watched the first trailer. Like, the wee glimpse of Baby Drago was enough to, like, spur me on to go and fucking see it. Aye. That was it. It was decided. Yeah. Because... Was it kept? I think it was kept quiet. Like it, it was. You never knew uh, it was Drago until the fucking trailer yeah. revealed it. And they didn't even show Dolph Lundgren in no. in the trailer, did it? It was so. It's kind of kind of. Is he going to be in it as well? Yeah. And then it was until I went on IMDb and I looked up the cast and I seen it and I was like, ooh, uh, <laughs> fucking giddy. Aye, uh, but it was. It was a surprisingly decent film. Now. It, I mean, it works well as like a companion to. It really, it should just be like a companion to Creed, but it's like a companion to Rocky Four, if anything. Yeah. It's, Aye, a, it's, it's like a sequel. Because it's like we should get the aftermath of the Balboa Drago fight mm-hmm. and what it done to like Drago afterwards and stuff. Exactly, and it was great to kind of see that, like the repercussions, and the same how that just made him like this relentless trainer for his son. Yeah. Where his son probably never knew anything else other than get up, train, box, sleep. Get up, train, box, sleep. Yeah. And it kind of goes the way that boxing films do. Yeah. It goes the motions. I, I, Michael B. Jordan's. I'm getting. I'm beginning to like him more. Eyes uh, in films. That's a. That's a film that he done before Creed. Uh, that uh, Ryan Coogler called Fruitvale Station. Right. It came out a couple of years prior. That's supposedly one of his like really good ones. It's oh, one right. of his earlier ones. I've still not been able to get a hold of it. Yeah. And that um Fahrenheit. Oh aye. it's not nine eleven, but it's something <sighs> him it's and Michael Shannon. Yeah. Are they firefighters? That was, that's I, the impression the poster gave me. I've not actually seen anything. I can't remember what the plot was. Mm-hmm. It had come out earlier in this year and it was I got premiered on HBO like the night I went, the, the night I left fucking Florida this year. Oh, right. And I was like, oh, it's like, I probably would have stayed in the room and watched it all night, I think. Mm-hmm, Just because it was interesting, plus Michael fucking Shannon. Yes, of course. Because that's like my history with Michael B. Jordan really never went further than 
I think it was Chronicle, because he was one of the kids ah. in that. And then he was uh, in Fantastic Four. I never seen that. And that, that, that was, just kind of went a bit pear-shaped, so I never, never really... Well, he never jumped into anything major right after that, and it was after a wee while Black Panther as the villain. Yeah, he was, was really, really good in uh, Black Panther. What was the villain again? Was it Killmonger? Aye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really good in that. Aye. And it was funny to see now that he's... It's funny when you watch films now and you just think how many folk are all connected to different superhero franchises, because you've got him, who... Okay, it was like Johnny Storm, Killmonger... And then his last scene in the film, Bianca, was, it was Tessa Aye, Thompson. Yeah. So she the, was in Thor. Exactly. Um, she was in that... Um, Sorry to bother you uh, as well. She was the uh, love interest, uh, is it Lakeith, the main character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aye. And so it was, it was fine seeing her, is that right? And then, fuck it, I was going to say Stone's not been tapped for any superhero thing, but he was in Guardians of the Galaxy too. Ah, uh, uh, he had like a wee role where he was like a peer of um, Yondu's character, well, yeah. Michael Rooker's character. And you know what we mentioned the other week, that Dolph Lundgren's showing up in Aquaman. Yeah, I know. I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah. Just hoping that it's like fucking like drag underwater. <laughs> uh, I could imagine it. And but that was what surprised me about Creed was how good like Dolph Lundgren's side of it was. Yeah. It actually kind of got more backstory and just the relationship between him and his son yeah. was surprisingly good and it was weird. It was not the more interesting storyline. Well, maybe it was because obviously Creed's journey was still interesting too but it's one of those things where it could be a bit slow and then oh, just waiting for that training montage. And there he is in the desert. I'm trying to think where the fuck they took him to. Like, was it just like Nevada or something? I don't know. Outside Vegas. Because like, I thought, well, I generally thought the work that we were going to get like a proper like, take it to Russia style, in the snow, like, like a proper eighty style, grow a fucking montage. beard. Yeah. Aye. So they done like the opposite. Yeah. Turn him to someplace really, really fucking hot. Gave him a sledgehammer and told him to dig. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I quite enjoyed it. I would. Probably, I reckon if I would end up buying them, but if they were on, I would totally watch them again. Yeah, I've only ever watched Creed once, and that was when it like got released. I was the and same. I was quite, I was quite surprised by it. Like I can't remember if it ever had the like the Rocky theme playing during Piped it. In. You did get that. I did get that. I kind of like got like spliced in. Yes, like in the, big like, triumphant moments, yeah. and and I was like, can I? I can it's a spin off it. Did it really need it though? What the the rockiness uh, of it? Like this is this boy's own tale. Stop tying it to yeah. Stallone. No, but Balboa. I mean, the thing is, like, like I mean, whether it needs it or no, like hearing it in the cinema, like it's fucking. Ah, it's a, it's, it's, it's it's one of those iconic scores that that you can't even not love. Yeah. So let's switch it up to one of these from an iconic score to an iconic film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm. Generally surprised that we've not talked about this yet. Yeah, alright, well, that's it. It's just one of those things. Like, there is a lot, a lot of fucking major films we've never really covered. Yeah. But it just depends where we go, whether if we're stuck in a theme or... Because 
Back to the Future and, yeah, has never we, been touched. And because we never done Christmas from last year, we just done basically watch what we want sort of thing. Yeah, I it was always one of those things where I think other podcasters listened to were all doing Christmas stuff, so I tended to avoid that. But I think most of the podcasts I listen to nowadays are all fucking defunct. So if there's anyone still left, oh well, here's Die Hard. Uh, and I mean, Sky Movies is right behind it this year, probably like highlighting like Die Hard is a Christmas movie because it's now become like the age old argument. Yeah. Is it a Christmas movie? I think I've, I've always genuinely considered it sort of like an alternative Christmas movie because uh, I mean, some mean, people. Uh, it is like. It's set on Christmas Eve. It's at a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. You know. Exactly. I, I think maybe some people want the requirement of Santa Claus. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's missing. And yeah. it's no like, he's going to come down a chimney and there's fucking McLean and Hans Gruber in a standoff going, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, lads. Wrong house. <laughs> Goes back up the chimney. It's fucking Al Powell dressed like Santa. Oh, imagine this. is You've just got Santa... <laughs> reindeer sleigh on the top of Nakatomi then Johnson Johnson helicopter like, there's that sick son of a bitch <laughs> yeehaw <laughs> like Saigon <laughs> fucking firing shots at Santa Claus <laughs> some fat bass of a sack for toys <laughs> um. <laughs> it's just him fucking running for his life <laughs> oh <laughs> how does that not happen uh, I have no idea. Oh. So, Die Hard from director John McTiernan, starring Bruce Willis as John McLean, Bonnie Delia, yeah, John like as Holly Gennaro McLean, Reginald Vill Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell, Paul Gleason as Deputy Police Chief Jane 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 Dwayne Dwayne T Robinson. William Atherton as Richard Thornburg. Hart Botchner as Harry Ellis. Hands, booby! <laughs> Get me a Coke. James Shigia as Joe Tagagi. Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. A whole bunch of yeah. European mercenaries. Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. Argyle and all that. That's quite a fucking cast when and you come to... And a bag of Twinkies. And a bag of Twinkies. So, Mike, just in case somebody like was yeah. just... In fact, there is a few people that work that said they've never seen Die Hard. I, I was immediately, say. like, risk losing my job. Did you slap somebody? Did you no, slap I a bitch? I knife on them. <laughs> so, yes, well, that's it. I guess some folk haven't seen Die Hard, which I feel like for our generation and there's like... Seems impossible. Yeah. But I, Mike, for the uninitiated, what's the plot to Die Hard? Uh, a group of international terrorists take control of a high-rise building on Christmas Eve and it's up to John McClane to save the yippee Kaye. That's it. Where do we fucking start with this one? Um, right at the top of my list, the best action film ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I mean, you do get a lot of really good ones. Aye. This one is always at the top. It's it's fucking up there in my book, definitely. When did you first see it? Um, What's your first memories of the first Die Hard? I mean, probably when I was like maybe 
I think for me to like understand the film, maybe when I was about 11, 10, 11, mm-hmm. and I think on like on like ITV every Friday night you got like a two hour film slot. Yeah. And last sure Die Hard was on it one night, and I watched it with my dad, and like my dad fucking loved the film, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of how it's progressed. I'm actually really similar because I had I I seen the films out of order. I think in how you saw them. Was it was it the first one for you? Um, because I can't remember. There's a part of me that wants to say that I think I may have seen Die Hard with a Vengeance first. Aye, I I'm I know I did. And then I think I think I seen the second one last. I, I I was in the same path as well. I think I eventually had to borrow a copy of it off of you yeah. because I was never seeing it or I was always missing the start of it. So I think I eventually got it off of like a, a long play cassette from you. Yeah. And it might have been like the middle movie. So I had to fast forward through something to get to Die Hard 2. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mind. I think it was more or less my dad had fucking called me into the room and said, said like, you should be watching this. And... It was all the scenes where I was like, Fuck, wait for this bit, wait for this bit. And his pal just leaving the Nakatomi Plaza saying, nothing's going on here. And then you just see the fucking body fall through the windshield. It's like, Jesus H. Christ! And he's fucking reversing. My dad fucking loved all those moments. Yeah. So he's like, fucking watch this. And then it was fucking McLean and, was it Carol? Or, like, the big dude. Ah, yeah, the blonde hair. Ah, the one that he ties up with a chain watching them fight and... So that was my earliest memory of Die Hard is my dad fucking tell me to sit down and watch it. But I'm positive. Originally, I'm sure I sat up and watched Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like, I had Sky Movies bend my room. Like, how, whatever channel downstairs, you were able to get that channel in your room. I'm, I'm pretty positive. I'm, I think I'm certain that I think I watched Die Hard with a Vengeance with you. Right. And then I think that would be the same night we watched like Pop Fiction after it or something. Aye, that, like Christmas time or something. Yeah, it is. It could have been like one of those family parties where we were just sent upstairs and then just start watching all the films we shouldn't. Yeah. So, daft question. Have you seen all five Diehards? I have. I am. Um, ah. Own the box set. Own the box set. Yep. That's the only reason I have the fifth one. <laughs> it's because I own the box set. I wouldn't. You would normally pick that up. Yeah, I I wouldn't have picked up the fifth one. Like, mm-hmm. well, if I had all them individually, I maybe would have just to fill the completion. Yeah, but yeah, aye. So we waste the space. It's a weird one, wasn't it? I, I've only saw it in cinemas, and I was just like, "What, really?" And I mean, some folk thought four was pushing it, but it was. It was. It was fine, but then yeah. just like you kind of thought it was a perfect trilogy. Like, yeah, really good first film. Some people think the second one's a bit wobbly, and then third one really good as well. Yeah, so that kind of covers over any flaws you've gotten to. It just gives you a solid trilogy of films. It's the same with like Indiana Jones. People yeah. always kind of question Temple of Doom, but yeah, I I I also fucking adore this film. Like everything from. McLean's sarcastic monologue where he just talks to himself. Like, there's the wee things like that I love. It, the fact that 
Bruce Willis is like a fucking nobody at that stage. Yeah, and it's like his like defining role. Exactly, that fucking launched him, and I think Alan Rickman as well. Sure, they went different directions, but so we've got a, a mad cast of characters, mm. and everyone seems so well written. It's not just a bunch of disposable characters. Everyone for fucking Argyle, the limo driver, to fucking Johnson number two in the helicopter. Yeah. Like, it's all got this unique fucking dialogue and there's always a good sense of humour. And it's it's been an action film. It's also pretty fucking funny as well. Ah, even though it's like serious, it's kind of got like... Exactly. Like humour. It's got a fucking it. brilliant score set. That's got like it's like this mixture of classical christmas and then it's just like aye. your 90s <clears throat> serious fucking thriller i assume though the like the theme that always gets me is like the theme when the like, when the vault finally opens oh it's like it's like beethoven ode to joy or something aye. and you just have like the black hacker going merry christmas yeah and like the weed like yeah. all the all the touches, <laughs> like the editing, is fucking perfect. Yeah. So I my my first note was it is the film that launched the careers of Bruce and Alan Rickman. Mike Wells, Bruce Willis became red hot then. Yeah. I don't think Alan Rickman was as hot, but he yeah. went on to be bigger as he went on, like through like his history of Harry Potter films, and he was always kind of fucking there in the background but I think he yeah. didn't have like that was almost his first acting gig like he was like a stage actor before mm. so this is the first time he was put in front of a camera yeah and told German accent now <laughs> and I mean like his German accent was pretty decent aye it's just when it's German pretend to be American <clears throat> oh god oh, oh yeah. god you're one of them I'm sorry <laughs> it's like oh shit <laughs> Did you see who done the screenplay? Yes, I did. Stephen E. De Souza, and like that name was fucking familiar, just for for the peculiar way of the name E. De Souza, and he turns out to be like sort of like this, I would say, prolific writer for the, for his film credits. Because I always forget about that Die Hard's based on a book until it shows up in opening credits of the film. Yeah. So the three writing credits is the two guys that wrote the book and Stephen Souza for doing the screenplay. And he's, I guess he's really the guy that's responsible for all these fucking one-liners, great fucking wee moments, dialogues back and forward. Unless there's, it was uh, improvised. Yeah. But this guy, Stephen Souza has writing credits for 48 hours, another 48 hours, Commando, Running Man, Die Hard 2, Judge Dredd, Beverly Hills Cop 3, and, most importantly, he is the writer and director of Jean-Claude Van Damme's Street Fighter. Ah. So, I think that's why I fucking, that name was strangely familiar, because I keep seeing it when I watch things like Running Man and fucking Commando. So he was the one that gave us um, Okie Dokie. Yes. Okie Shuffle. Exactly. You, sir, are a fucking legend. <laughs> So, and even the fucking running man, uh, I hope you left room in your stomach because I'm going to ram my fist in it. Like all, all those lines I'm butchering with paraphrase, this boy actually wrote. So this guy might be responsible for a lot of these fucking epic 80s yeah. action films. Big fun, I think. 
it's pretty much covered like it, like when you think of like the eighties, like you've got Stallone, mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger, Van Damme, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So he's probably covered a film for each. Exactly. Each and then fucking Bruce Willis in the late eighties. It's funny when looking at it, it's like this is the late eighties. Yeah. So you just imagine Bruce Willis is is hot as like Schwarzenegger, but these guys have come before him. So it's strange to think that Schwarzenegger was a bigger star than than Bruce Willis at one point. Yeah. Uh, or started off fucking more successful than him. Because when I look back to Bruce Willis's credits, I wanted to see if he did actually do any action before, and he has like five credits, and it's all like mostly TV or that that strange Bruno thing he does, where uh, it was like he done music or done like a concert as Bruno. Oh, uh, yeah. Aye, so, and then he was like, juror number two in a film. And it was like, two years difference between this and fucking, like, Die Hard. I was like, Christ, he went for Nibdi to fucking someday. Yeah. And as you said, this is probably like the defining film for Bruce Willis. Yeah, because I, actually when I was going through the trivia, I don't think I covered all the trivia, but of what I covered, there wasn't anything up saying that who was considered like for the role, so you're kind of wondering, like, would it have worked if it was like Stallone mm-hmm. or like Van Damme or whatever? Or it was mentioned on Twitter this week that it supposed it was a project that was geared towards Frank Sinatra to start in. I think uh, Lee Millen on our uh, Twitter tagged ah, yeah, that in I've a post, that. and to be honest, I rung a bell because I've heard that before as well, but I've never actually, I don't think I've actually seen a Frank Sinatra picture. So I can't actually think whether he would have been a a decent guy to play the part. Yeah. But it's just one of those things because you just automatically associate him as, with singing. You never really see him in, any, in or the Rat Pack uh, doing anything other than Sammy Davis Jr. appearing in Cannonball Run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was it? Chocolate Jesus? Oh, the Chocolate seen. Monk. Oh, I've not seen fucking Yeah, there's a mildly man. racist comment in that film somewhere. We talked about how it's got the perfect blend of action and stuff. Um, since then, there has been so many, like, obviously that kind of kick-started the whole, like, terrorist. Yeah. Taking control, like, control sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing, there's nothing ever going to beat that. But I think a close, close favourite of mine was always Under Siege. Yes, I... Steven Seagal. Exactly. I, I'm always more familiar with the, the second one. Yeah, on, I am on uh, the train. Exactly. I, I mean, I think it's just because I've seen that more often than I have the first one. Yeah. Um, and then, again, probably another childhood favourite of yours, Sudden Death. Oh, of course. It is. It's possibly like the Van Damme film for me. Aye? Aye, I think it is. It's interesting. Like, I'm surprised. Like, above like, AWOL and that. And see, AWOL's cool. I've not watched that in fucking years but I have seen Sudden Death like three or four times in the last couple of years because uh, that just seems to be it always seems to be on like ITV4 and stuff eh? aye or Sky and when it's on it's like well I can't do fucking anything else now I yeah. have to watch this he's the fire marshal yeah. that, that lost his kids he just wants to take them to a hockey game yeah you have to always watch him beat up that penguin exactly <laughs> and as well like Powers Booth I fucking he's a great villain exactly just it's nonsense, but it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's been so many imitations come and gone, but talk about this year's one. Fucking Skyscraper. Oh, yeah. The poster. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember they done that parody poster? Aye. And it was the 
like the carbon copy of Die Hard. It was like the side on face, uh, Dwayne Johnson, and like was it the name of the building, the Pearl or something? Yes. Yeah. Aye. And that's it. It did. It kicked off a trend. Yeah. Where it was huge, but it is because this this is pretty much like a 10 out of 10 like a 5 star film yeah There's, I think there is possibly no faults to this film yeah I mean I love everything but even like the fucking like the, the amount of one liners even at the start where there's a guy on the plane suggesting to McLean curling your your feet uh, into yeah. fists after a long flight and beats a hot shower and what's a beats a shower and a hot coffee and uh. you just think you ever done that after a flight Considered trying to make fists at your feet just because it's something you. No. Like, it's, no. It all just seems like one of these things where I take life advice from yeah, movies. You've, you've heard it and I thought you might as well try it. Exactly. We're just like. You're just looking at your feet going, well, if they sit in, die hard. Yeah. McLean's marriage seems Aye. to be a, like. Was he going out to meet with Holly to kind of smooth things out? Because it looked like. Yeah, you didn't really get that. Like, why is coming out? Aye, because obviously he's obviously not. Well, neither of them are at the family home. They've just got the, their their housemaid looking after the kids. Yeah, she's at this Christmas party. He's flying in, and I love how he just fucking like just puts doing all the weirdness around him to was it not like California? Like just fucking Aye. shaking his head like when at the Christmas party some dude oh, comes guy, plants a kiss guy. on him, and he's like fucking California. <laughs> And I think I, I think and maybe watching it when I was wee, I just appreciated the amount of swearing you got in it as well. Aye, yeah, there was a shit ton of it. Because like one of them, are great mo- one of the great moments at the start is when he's trying to frantically get the attention of the police, and he's using one of the ra- either the radio or the phone in the hotel. And the woman's like, "This is an emergency line only." And it's like, "Does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza?" Ah, uh, yeah. Like, it just his fucking freakouts are brilliant. Yeah, I think that was like when I was. First kind of oh wait, he started going, dad. no shit, lady. Yeah, Aye. like when um, when I was like watching it with my dad, like he used to always laugh at all the one liners. Aye, and like the the bit when the is is underneath the table. Um, yes, and, and the guy is looking down at him, and he's like, um, like Tommy, like you're like, running out of table. Uh, like if if you're going to kill someone, don't hesitate. And, Aye, and he just absolutely unloads on the boy. Like I reckon why, but like it's kind of funny, but. My dad found that fucking hilarious. Aye, because that's it. And as soon as he's fucking emptied a clip in the guy, he's like, thanks for the advice. And it's I th- like, I think it's just all of you. It's weird because out of all the films in the 70s, you didn't really get any humorous mm-hmm. one-liners. I think 80s is what brought it on. Ah, it exploded. I think probably Commando is like the, the best use of it. Aye, and them into one liners in it. Exactly. So I wonder if that was like a speciality of like that Stephen D'Souza. Like, because yeah. we talked about in our Running Man episode how many fucking brilliant one liners there was, yeah. and maybe that was just like that guy's fucking like yeah. just fucking love the one. Do you reckon they bring him in and be like, look, bit of paper, pen, two minutes can be ten of your best one lines. Exactly. Like, there's a scenario, him and them. Go, go, go. Go, and that's one of his last writing credits. He, he is still alive, but he stopped writing. But one of the big major films he did towards the end was Tomb Raider Two: The Cradle of Life. Oh, I right. reckon if there's any cracking one-liners in that, uh, no idea. 
But as I said, what I do love about this film is all the fucking little characters you get in this film are actually well fleshed out from Argyle, the limo driver. The fact that he stays there throughout the whole film. Yeah. And it's him and the big fucking stuffed teddy bear. Yeah, and he's like on the phone like saying his boss is, is expecting it to be in like Las Vegas but now or something. Exactly. And he's just looking a fucking like an underground like parking area. Mm-hmm. Just chilling it. Aye, because that's it. He's yeah, quite... the phone's on the worst time. <laughs> Aye. And what about, uh, is it William Atherton? Oh, as a uh, Dick Thornburg. Yeah. And he is, like, fucking dick by name, dick by nature. Oh, he's a fucking... Oh. Scummy bastard. He's like... He... Aye, because he, he was only in the first two. He was only in... Because he was in the second one. On the by plane. By chance. And yes. on the plane, is the uh, same as uh, Holly. Yeah. And he was. He was just such a... Dis- he plays it to a T. He does make a brilliant despicable cunt because it's it's dead similar to him in Ghostbusters. Ah, yeah. Aye. He's an absolute tool in that one as well. But he's like this newscaster who's desperate to get fucking airtime. Yeah. And I love how incompetent like the current newscaster is when they have like a terrorist expert and the guy names a city. And the news is like, oh, yes, um, blah, 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 Milwaukee. And the guy goes, no. Tennessee and just corrects him and he's off camera going like he's fucking raging and then Richard's like give me a camera and a van and he's fucking going absolute tits needing this stuff because and he is he's like this ruthless fucking journalist where the fact when he goes and gets a hold of the maid and where they find out where McLean's house is and uh, got, and I can't remember what he said to the maid but I just feel like he just fucking said green card to her or something <laughs> just, uh, it's total racial uh, and discrimination then eh? just put the fucking camera in the kid's face and it, yeah. it is brilliant like the comeuppance at the end aye uh, where it's just fucking Holly and Smacks him in the face. Aye, <laughs> he turns like, Did you get that? <laughs> he gets it worse in the second one, eh? Oh, he, he gets, gets fucking tased. He gets all women, eh? Exactly, because the Aye, because it's like in her handbag in case. Aye. Did you know talk about saying she gives the Duggawee's app or something? <laughs> <laughs> You're just thinking, That's fucking terrible. But he's been an absolute shite bag yeah. in the fucking bathroom on the phone. Aye, because what he's doing talking is. Talking like he's a, a hero. Aye, well, he's. Um, Aye, because he's broadcasted what's happening with the planes because nobody in the airport knows about it because the actual like control tower Aye. managed to stop it getting out to the public and exactly. he fucking somehow makes it public because Aye. it's a story. Exactly. It's an opportunity to exploit. So there's fucking Dick Thornburg. <laughs> yeah. Ready to exploit it. Would you put this in your top ten? I would possibly. If it came to like action films, it would have to be. You uh, could not not have Die Hard in your top ten. Yeah, see, I, I think I, I would definitely be in my top ten action, and I I, I kind of always toy with the idea that maybe it would be at the top, like all time. I think it's just because maybe the amount of times I've seen it mm-hmm. and how it just sticks sticks with you. Right, and it's such an easy watch. It's uh, like it's the in, the entertainment value in it, like a Disney fade. Like yeah. you could watch it. Over and over, like rewatchability is fucking an obvious one here. Yeah, like I will never tire of watching this film. Yeah, but, um, I think. Do you have any particular um characteristics that you like in McLean? Or um, fat doesn't like wine. <laughs> I, I I just thought it was 
the the thing I always notice that's fucking weird about the film is when he fires out of the like when all the shit starts going down in Nakatomi and he runs out with his guns like he just doesn't think to put shoes on. Just seeing yeah, him run up the stairs in bare feet and it's like how could you, I can't even fucking run outside to put a fucking rubbish in the bin in bare feet. Yeah. <laughs> seeing this boy fucking spend half the film. When you see him running about outside and that left, that was been a that was a real life depiction. It would be folk like doing baby steps on the fucking Exactly. Grand, fucking hopscotch just to avoid all the stair bits. That's when he like it's when he takes down the first bad guy in it and he's fucking trying on his shoes. Yes, I and I love the wee the the dialogue between him is like, you won't do anything to me. It's like, how? How do you think that? You're a police officer. There's rules. And he's like, yeah, so my chief keeps telling me. And next thing you see them rolling down the staircase. The fucking snap neck. I think following that, one of the moments that always gets me like I reckon if it's a goosebumps or it just makes me feel a wee bit sick is when he's going down the elevator shaft using the machine gun oh, the, to lower himself down. Oh, when he's using the wee strap the ho- Aye, the holster. Aye, like the shoulder strap. And it's just a thought, because the way it's shot, it's just looking down into this endless elevator shaft. And he's wading his way down, and then it just fucking snaps. Yeah. And just to see him drop and fall from one side, it's like, oh, the thought of falling... Yeah. And an elevator shaft is just a terrifying thought. And just to see him fall and then just manages to grab like, one of the, the air ducts. Exactly. And then it is like, you see like the most iconic image of this film is him crawling in his white vest through an air duct going, oh, come out to the city, have some laughs. Yeah. Like the the iconic line. And that's it. I think that is probably one of the most famous images of Die Hard. Like if you might have not seen Die Hard, but you've most likely seen that picture of fucking John McClane yeah. in a wee metal air duct fucking crawling through his lighter. And some people have actually like implemented that image onto like Christmas tree oh, decorations. Oh, I fucking love those Christmas tree decorations. Because it's just like a wee foil box for him in the middle of it holding his lighter. Yeah. If, I was, if I was able to find one, I would totally have that on my tree. <laughs> um, right. Alan Rickman's role as Hans Gruber. Yep. As fucking genius. Mm-hmm. Like he he knows what he's doing. Aye. He's like he's the plan, like the whole plan he's had for the minute he went in the building. Aye. When he's talking to Theo the hacker. Yeah. And also then they need to get through is it like seven like fucking firewalls or something and get into this vault. Aye. I loved it first when you had the the two big Swedish brothers, and they're sort of trying to sort the security alarms, and one's been really intricate cutting precise wires then you just have Carol with a chainsaw just fucking cutting through all uh, the tubes and his brother's freaking out going no 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 <laughs> like you just showed the rationality uh, between the two one's all, exactly I love how it's a complete like goose chase like when he's talking to the police when he's talking to like that, and that deputy Dwayne and he's wanting all these these leaders in like Ireland and exactly all these big political figures or terrorists once them released this that and the next thing and when he goes off the radio looks like oh, I read it in Time magazine like just to say like this is just to fucking keep them busy whilst we fucking rob the bank more or less because yeah. that's all it comes into they're just glorified bank robbers yeah. but he's calm collected and this this wee uh, radio relationship between him and McLean is yeah. such a great element where it gets the two of them interacting 
building up against each other without actually being face to face. So you get all this dialogue where they start referring to him as a cowboy, they come yeah. up with nicknames, and it's just where McLean tries so hard to try and help the police on the outside, but whilst Al's there, Nikon Aller wants to listen to him. Yeah. Like when Dwayne takes over, he kinda he's like fucking shitting on Al saying, That could be a terrorist, you're you're a fucking idiot. And I reckon maybe it's the time to talk about fucking Sergeant Al Powell. Yeah. Because like, even though he's got like, like a, it's not a minor role; it's a major role. Ah, uh, he. I feel he is the third cast member, like the the third lead of this film. Aye, or at least the the third most interesting person in yeah. this film. Like the his introduction scene where he's in the shop. Exactly, buying a fucking boatload of Twinkies. Yeah, but the claims that it's for the wife because she's pregnant. Aye, the the fucking dude behind the counter looked almost familiar, but I couldn't. I think it might just look like somebody that's more familiar. But it's where it's like, I thought you guys just ate donuts. I said, no, nah, man, they're for my wife. Sure. <laughs> it's like, she's pregnant. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> it's just like, happy holidays. I'm not buying a show. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just, well, he, he says that by the end of the film. You've got, like, McLean eating a Twinkie in Nakatomi, and he's like, what yeah. the hell is in this shit? And he like, seems to fucking rattle off every ingredient. Uh, it was like, sugar, rich flour, and was like, yellow dye, number five, everything yeah. a grown boy needs. I was like, oh, I was no stranger to a Twinkie. <laughs> is, does he have a wife? But I love it, because he has this secret redemption story. Aye. Where he just looks like this klutzer cop buying Twinkies, fucking panics under fire. It looks like it, when he gets fucking shot at, drives back, it looks like he goes into like a storm drain or something, isn't it? Aye, because his car's like... At a tilted. fucking angle. And I love that thing where it's over the radio. I was trying to find on IMDb quotes, and they didn't have this quote, and I feel it's a significant one, where... Oh, he's getting shot at. Ah, and I was on the radio <laughs> saying, I'm at Nakatomi Plaza, they just turned my car into Swiss cheese. Yeah. And I was li- I was on IMDb quotes and i just done like the find and search and just typed in Swiss cheese and it came up with no results. Like, how is that not a fucking quote of this film? <sighs> like, I've always known that it's a fucking quote of this film. How is that not on this page? The fucking quote page to IMDb quotes should just be the entire script of this fucking film. Yeah. Um, is there any particular small character of the film that you quite enjoy? Um, see, I quite like Theo the wee hacker. Yeah. Because like, obviously he's, he's persistent. I think it's just, like when you see him when he's in that wee room and he's like, he's like twiddling with him and then he's like fucking like karate kicking the wee wambus like behind him. Aye. And it's just his wee quips. Aye. And I loved his introduction where they're walking into Nakatomi Plaza and they're sitting talking about like a fucking football or a baseball game. And then they just turned around, bang, shoots the guy in the head because it just looks like they're in this in-depth conversation, but it's just like yeah. a big uh, a big distraction. And then they, they fucking jump over. I do love sort of like his comeuppance uh, yeah. towards the end where he's in the van, like, and then Argyle sees his moment because he's tuned in on the radio uh, and finds out that they're all fucking, they're robbing the place and he just sees Theo loading up the fucking lorry. And just fucking drives the limo into him and punches him in the past and just like <laughs> not his glasses off. 
Um, Harry Ellis is another fun character who doesn't get too much. Yeah, I think there's just enough in there. Ah, you get to see that he's a wee bit of a coke fiend, both Aye. snorting off the table and enjoying a nice cold tumbler. <laughs> I love yeah. it when he is, he's he's sooking up to the bad guys and he's sitting there and it's like, does he order the coke or someone bring one to him? Yeah, I think someone just brings it to him so you kind of get the idea that he's probably asked yeah. for it. And it just... I always just always remember as the grin that he has when he talks to Hand and he's talking about how he can deliver McLean to him. Exactly. And it's just sort of like just the breathe of karma thing with his big massive white grin. Exactly. As he's sitting drinking his last glass of Coke and then he cuts away and you just see the <sighs> fucking mm. shot off camera. But then you get to see the fucking him getting dragged away with a bullet hole in the seat. <laughs> Johnson and Johnson's another one oh, that I I'm pretty say, sure I do enjoy FBI agents Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, and it was as soon as you said that it was the same dude that we saw in Iceman playing the old mob boss. Yeah, Robert Darby. Exactly. Seen him in this. He's still an intimidating looking dude. Aye. Where this must be the film I recognise him from, but he looks like he could have easily been in any mob movie. Yeah, and as well, like like they come across as obviously like like the. They work together for a good few years. Aye, and have a wee sense of humour, a banter going. When you get the introduction to them, and they're on the like the downtown with the electrical company. Aye. Did you recognise the guy in the drain? I'm not. I oh, I looked. I did look because I thought, dude, oh. is he? I just thought like, I just assumed that he was maybe like a crew member, but he just seems to be. You know, you have to fill in the blank. He's fucking Tom Hanks' is pal for the Burbs. Is he? Aye. Ah, uh, shit. Rick. Took him on or something. Was he the guy in the drain? Yes, he was the guy in the drain on the phone getting the power cut off. Ah, oh, right, okay. What was his fucking character in the Burbs again? Art? Art. Art. Yeah. Because yeah. um, maybe I was looking at somebody else. There was like a guy cried Bill Mayer. was like this other... Dude, it might be like the guy on the radio or something. Aye. But he just had, like, he was always just a guard in films. Um, I have to admit, I do always have oh, fucking, I've lost count of how many times I've watched this film. And also, you do get the, the whole gift of what the real deal is with the robbery and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think because I was watching this one a lot more closely, is that Han's plan is expertly crafted. Mm-hmm. Because he's also buying time he brings in the FBI yep. he then knows the FBI and they're going to fucking shut off the power mm-hmm. and the kids at the power's going to own the fucking vault aye and the whole thing about the hostages is right let's just send them to the roof aye but and he's got that fucking triggered aye it's a, it's a fucking sadistic plan yeah like if he managed to execute it it would have been a proper act of terrorism yeah but his it was just the whole fact that with McLean in there and being on those upper floors, it's like this cat and mouse game where that, that moment where he gets the fucking PC monitor. Oh, yeah, they ties it on the chair. Aye, and throws that's it down it, the like, elevator. That's what I told me earlier about the... When he looks down and he sees absolutely nothing, Like you get that expertly when he throws that fucking computer chair down and you see it going just in the darkness. Aye. And there's, a, there's at least Aye. three, four seconds before you get the wee flash. Aye, is the the fucking the payoff's brilliant where you just see him diving as the fucking ball of fire comes fucking flying out. Yeah. 
Dwayne Robinson is, is a bit of a prick. Oh, yes. But I think as a, I quite like him. Mm. Like, as a character, I think he's... Because obviously, like, he's just getting absolutely lambasted with fucking Johnny on the radio and all that. Aye. And as soon as the FBI turns up, eh, like, he's fucking... Shut down. It's great, because at first, he's properly shitting on Al. He's like, what are you doing here? And there's that moment where he's on the radio to McLean, saying, I've got a hundred people out here covered in glass! And McLean's like, glass? Who gives a fuck about glass? And it does this when the fucking FBI shows up, he kind of just takes sides with Al. Yeah. Like when the the bad guy starts shooting out the lights, and Al like, says it, and seconds later, yeah. Dwayne's like, "They're going for the lights, the lights." And I was like, "Hello, I'm I'm black. I'm not invisible. <laughs> come on here." But yeah, he does come across as a good card, very unlikable. Yeah. Because just the way, but he promptly put in its place when the FBI come and shut him down yeah um, I've got a slight wee issue okay. but not with this film with the continuity alright when you watch like when you see the credits and that and you'll see you get to see like wee fucking Lucy McLean and that and you get to see the wee laddie on the credit it's got John Jr right and a good day to die hard is called fucking Jack. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so that that would the continuity pisses me the fuck off. That's one of the one of the major reasons why I don't like the film as well. Aye, it's like okay, you think if you're doing a die hard film, you would at least fact checks or yeah. at least explain like Jack, your fucking name's John. It's like I don't want your name, Dad. Like something to fucking explain. Because obviously, you got you got the story with him and Lucy in the fourth one. Exactly, we went to see. The f- I th- we, we the saw only, that. It's the only Die Hard film I've seen in the cinema. Yeah, no, I've never had a chance nah. to see any of them. Some I've seen some cinemas are five, uh, uh, some cinemas are actually showing this one this year. Because it's a fucking it's a Christmas film. No, it's the thirtieth anniversary as well. But um, yeah, like the continuity on the whole Jack and John thing just fucking a wee bugbear. Aye. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Though I think all the other things we haven't really covered in this film is kind of how it ends like when obviously aye like when the vault when they goes into the when they shut the power off aye and then the FBI order the choppers and say they've actually brought they've released their like, comrades yes and like obviously the FBI's got a plan as well oh aye because they're, they're like they're willing to fucking like shoot at fucking exactly like, innocents as well they had like a percentage that they're all okay that can die so probably about 20-30% could get killed I'm fine with that yeah. and she's like man that's a bit cold you almost think the fucking FBI are the bad guys it's just when you get fucking Johnson just doing his fucking his yippie kaye with a big gun just saying uh, oh man this takes me back to Saigon and the other Johnson's like I was in junior high you dick I was a kid back then <laughs> sort of fucking insane like, associating me with that but it's the final standoff between him and uh, Hans Gruber. Aye. Where he's stripped down, he's not got anything, but he's got the Christmas parcel tape on his back with that concealed yeah. gun. And it's Hans Gruber's right-hand man, like the guy that was posing as the doorman. Oh, yeah. I will just love how he fucking manages to shoot him between the eyes. Aye, especially, yeah. Just like, Aye, because he like, shoots Hans first and then... Aye, and then it's like, one, two... And when he gets the other guy, he does it fucking perfect. Like, 
yeah. gone. No hesitation. Because like when you watch it, like the bullet hits him, and then the, the guy makes a wee noise like seconds after it. Ah, it's, and it's just that the great image of Hans Gruber as he falls. Yeah. Because it, it's the whole thing where like he tries to take Holly with him. It's just that that image of <laughs> Alan Rickman, the fear on his face as he falls yeah. from the building. Um. I never wrote it down on my, on my notes, but I didn't actually find it on the notes. But I did hear, like, fucking online years Supposedly, ago. Supposedly, I They dropped him on two. Right. They were going to drop him on three, but they dropped him on two. So and the, that was the, his. the reaction was more yeah. genuine. Because uh, it. it does look like a proper shit-the-bed face on him. Yeah. It's like, <gasps> no. And you get that great shot where it's just like, you just see somebody fall and it's like, man, I hope that's not a hostage. And it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like just a wee subtle soon for him hitting the deck. And a bit, um, it's a bit fucking mental that the watch that Ellis got her was the one that almost got her killed. Aye. Um, the hardest question is who steals it? Al. I honestly, <laughs> Al is my man. I fucking love this guy. Like how he saves the day at the end. Oh like, fuck! I it was just that whole redemption. It's, that's it's the, that music as well. Aye, the score's fucking perfect. He's already told the sob story that he accidentally killed thirteen-year-old kids with like a fucking toy laser gun or something. Whenever yeah. I hear about somebody getting shot by accident, I always, always, always. <laughs> no, I think back to fucking casino, and there's a guy coming out of the car with a hero sandwich. Was it casino or Goodfellas? Where the cops fucking kill an innocent man just because he's carrying a hero sub, and it's just a fucking sub wrapped in tinfoil. I can't mind. It, I it was one of the Scorsese films, but it's like he was carrying a fucking sub, a hero sub. <laughs> like some guy killed by accident because they thought he had a fucking piece. And it was, it was for Scotland. It was an actual piece. <laughs> <laughs> I can't mind. Uh, um, it's just this shot of the guy with fucking. A sub wrapped in tinfoil being fucking shot down because they thought he was carrying a loaded gun. Oh. But yes, with this one, he had the fear of because he had shot a kid. Yeah, but couldn't It's also the look on Al's face and the look on McLean's face when they lock eyes. I feel that's perfect for one of those memes like find a man that looks at you the way that fucking Al looks at McLean. Yeah. Like, just the look, they fucking know exactly who they are. Yeah. shake their hands and then this boy that's been hung for the fucking ceiling by his neck yeah. with a chain somehow pops back up to life and it, like he's got it from the top of the building why still fucking got the gun on the gurney anyway ah because that's it he must have been getting loaded like did he climb at the fucking morgue bag whip the sheet off and go Phew. it was like fuck I can't we should not let him hold on to the gun <laughs> But it was, it was the, the redeeming factor for Al to fucking put yeah. half a dozen shots into him. But then he almost has a bit trigger happy and tastes at Argyle a few seconds later. <laughs> Sorry, I just... <laughs> yeah. He looks 13 to me. <laughs> but it was, it was fucking brilliant. And to be honest, I do, I've, I genuinely want that little, like, Twinkie holding pop of Al. Yeah. He just... Well... Originally, I was actually going to fucking buy it just for the next episode, but it's not available yet. <laughs> no, I, I, it is. It's definitely. I think it's. It, it's. It must be soon. Yeah. Because I know I did uh, notice them on Amazon, but I think I probably won't buy the Die Hard set because it's the pitfall you fall doing when you yeah. collect pops. But I think I would. I really appreciate just having Al 
and a handful of Twinkies. It's just the fact that they went to the effort of giving him a handful of Twinkies. Like, yeah. Like, that's perfect. As well, I'm kind of like, I like the fact that Al pops up for a brief minute in the second one. Ah, yeah. Because he's the one that sends the facts through to McLean when he's at the airport and mm. stuff. Because the, the continuity... Part two is, is it right after part one, or is it a year later? It's like a year later or something. Because it, it's Christmas again. A year or two later. Mm-hmm. Aye. Um, I think I ran over that part there, but what about you? Who, who steals the film for you? Um, uh, that's a tough one. Like, cause like, like, Alan Rickman does such a good fucking job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's probably Bruce Willis's like, best film, but I think Alan Rickman probably gets it like aye, and it is it's it's a, it's one of the defining roles mm. for him as well, and whilst people might not have heard of Alan Rickman, like sure post Harry Potter, a lot more people know yeah. of Alan Rickman, but everyone's heard of Hans Gruber. Yeah, whatever I should have heard of Hans Gruber. Mm-hmm. Aye. Well, that's it. What was it? I think he's also really famous. Did you actually? Uh, did you see that thing that Zabi were advertising this week? The limited edition artwork. No. And it's limited to coincide with the 30th anniversary of Die Hard. And some guy's done a, bit, a nice bit of artwork. And it's McLean hanging on to the air duct. All right. As he's like falling down it. Yeah. Ah, no, I'd have to have a look for that later. Now, um. Should I even ask you about rewatchability? No, because you be know asked. the answer. Eh? Like, like I've had it on video, I've had it on DVD, fucking Blu-ray. Like, like, any chance it's on, I probably will watch it. Exactly. But I always like to make sure I catch, as long as it's before, like the body falls on Al's car, I think. Aye. Just then, it's just a wee bit extra. Oh, what about that fucking line where... Al's first coming in and he's driving around and it's like he's no too sure and McLean's up there's like who's driving the fucking car Stevie Wonder uh, there's so many one lines I know it's, it's, it's lines like that I do remember my dad's like wait w- listen to this bit and then turns like Stevie Wonder was a blind guy yeah I was like alright dad because <laughs> it's like he was really obviously wanting me to get all the references but I think it's BBT time right what do you reckon the budget for Die Hard was? Late eighties. Leading actor wasn't a huge yet. Has to be like twenty twenty five. You're close. Twenty eight. But die, that's fair enough. Because that twenty five million went to Bruce Willis. Whoa. Five million. That was in one of the notes, but I never actually wrote it down. But it was like unheard of that, like a first. Yeah. A first time, like, big fucking actor. Got fucking five million. Yeah. Man. Because I think, at the time, I think he was only really famous for, like, that TV series Moonlight, he was in. Is it Moonlight in it? Yeah. Aye. Because so it must have just been, like, how, like, the equivalent of, like, George Clooney was really just famous for ER at one point. Yeah, before he got into films. I mean, he films. was, he, he'd done a couple of, like, 80s films, but he was only really ER, and then it was, like, from Dust or Dawn, I think, which is big film. Breakout, aye. Uh, right, what do you reckon the box office? you reckon it made its money back? Yes, definitely made its money back. Um, worldwide, would it be mental to say $100 million? Um, domestically, 81. Oh. Foreign, 58. So, 139 million nice. worldwide. 
very nice. And I mean, back in the 80s, that's pretty big. That is fucking huge. Especially when it's 28 to make, so you fucking made... 120, 110 profit. Exactly. No wonder there's like, more, make more. Yeah, that's the whole thing though. As soon as someone makes money, regardless if it's good or no, it's just like keep it's the hot new property. Yeah. Do like what they did. Um, the Nakatomi building is indeed the headquarters for 20th Century Fox, the studio behind the film. Aye, I know. Um, <laughs> the thing is, the company charged itself for rent <laughs> because it was unfinished at the time the building was unfinished. Right. So the charge itself for rent just to get sell the money to build it up. Aye. Um, the scene when McLean falls in the, the shaft, he misses the first. Yeah. One. Yeah, that was actually a mistake by All the right. stuntman. He was Aye. initially supposed to grab that. Yeah. Um, but it, it just made it look more legit. Yeah, so they used the shot anyway. Aye. And then they just filmed from McLean pulling the cell into the rear duct. Aye. I do love Alan Rickman's delivery, or Hans' delivery, when uh, the fucking first henchman gets delivered back to him dead on the office chair with a jumper. Uh, like, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> just the, the pronunci- pronunciation of ho. Yeah. There are just so many wee things I fucking love about this film. And that's it. When you see a good diehard reference in something, uh, you, you fucking truly appreciate yeah. it. Fucking uh, run DMC's Christmas in Hollis. Aye. I fucking love that try. And I guess. Like, I've got it on my Spotify and, like, I, I will play it all year round, doesn't mm. bother me. And I'm kind of glad that they included it in The Night Before. Aye. And that, this, that like, rang a bell when I was watching it last night because I just forgot. I I, I just I, su- I just take that with uh, The Night Before now. And then when it showed up in here, it's like, why not? Of course. Actually, and, like, you're saying, like, there is not a single fault with this film at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm, this is going to be my next question. Surely there can't be a one-star review. We had five out of 296. <laughs> so I've taken all five. So let's see if the, any of these are actually about the film. Review number one. Audio was out of sync. Nearly ruined our Christmas Eve tradition. That's no fault with the film. Nope. Number two. I expected the video to work. Even though it said it was used, the video did not work. This Once person again, no fault with the film. Bought a copy of it, a used copy of it on VHS in 2017. Of course, it's not gonna fucking work. It's a fucking tape. People still use VHS. That silly cunt did. Uh, number three. I love this movie, but the DVD was damaged, and I had to return it. Uh Since we're doing five, we'll take a little commercial break here. Amazon One Star Reviews, go to filmsandswearing.com and buy shit with our Amazon yeah. link. Buy yourself Die Hard, buy yourself fucking R with the Twinkies. Exactly. And send us it. Mm-hmm. Buy two. Ah. And about the reviews. Um, I love Die Hard, but basically, I tried to rent this and the payment didn't go through. So I rented it on iTunes instead. Right. It's no fault of them. I'm kind of glad that the five, the five ones that are used. There's one left. This is very unwatchable rubbish. Don't bother. 
Fuck that. you. Who's that person? One person. Who's that person? Uh, uh, 296. I didn't take his name because I knew you'd be angry and try uh... to look for him. I knew you would just fucking take off your headset and run out of the street and try and find this cunt. Motherfucker. So I've protected his identity. <laughs> but it was 296 was and just, there was one. I was just going to say like five reviews. Almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It was almost the perfect film but there was one person that didn't like it. Next week on the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, we will be reviewing Joe Dante's Gremlins from 1984. And it's the last show of the year. Exactly. It should be... Make a heavy drink. Exactly. Have a wee toast. Get get the nog out. Also, eggnog. The cover. Yes. The cover of this. The fucking floodlight of the helicopter. Aye. As expertly put in till it looked like it caused an explosion. Aye. And on the roof. Exactly. It looks right. like a fucking Godzilla beam. They're just fucking blowing up the base of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Some cracking artwork. I know. So, aye. Next week, Gremlins. I have not watched it in a fucking uh, age. I'm, I'm the same. I'll probably just get it the night. Take with you. Follow us on social media at FAS Podcast for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Patreon is coming to an end. We're coming to final month. So come December 31st, I'm just going to shut that page down. And then from 2019 on, I'll only be editing one podcast a week, not two. So that means this podcast will be getting longer for you cunts. Um, other than that, let's let's pull up a wee ending music oh you have to get the fucking the bit of score when Al takes it um Carol I know what you mean but it's not what I have alright ah, let's see ah so yes Von Monroe's Let It Snow I always just assumed it was Frank Sinatra yeah so did I I genuinely used to think it was Frank Sinatra <laughs> so Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers, and tune in next week. When we finally kiss goodnight, Why did I fucking...